today I want to continue how many were blessed last week by the the ancestry.god right how many want to go deeper in a revelation of who we are in Christ it's what we've been praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest on us in regards to who Christ is and who we are in him and today we're going to go a little bit deeper I'm going to continue on these thought this thought of ancestry.god Look at John chapter 3, verse 1. When you got it, say amen. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered to him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born, listen to this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. One translation said, that which is born in the natural is natural. That which is born of the spirit is is spirit. Do not marvel. Don't freak out that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So who is everyone who is born of the spirit? That sixth verse today, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Look at someone and say, neighbor, who's your daddy? They got offended. Look over at your other neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, who's your daddy? Kimmy, how do you say this in Espanol? No, say it on the microphone. ¿Quién es tu padre? Si. I want to talk today about who your daddy is. Because I don't know if you know who your daddy is and where you came from. It'll help you understand where you're going and who you are in him. And today, we're going to do a test to determine who the real daddy is. And before we leave this place today, I believe God's going to give somebody a revelation that you don't belong to the world. The test results are in. Yahweh is your daddy. Lord, help us today to teach and preach for the next few moments. Give me the grace and the wisdom and the spirit of revelation to teach this word in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So let me just jump right to it today. We're, we're in this series on Ancestry.God. I wanted to talk about where we came from. We talked the first week about Adam and how we were born first of Adam, which explains a lot of our dysfunction and a lot of our problem and a lot of the failure and a lot of the mess and misery that we experience in the world today, the entire world, the whole world is literally born in the transgression of Adam with the Adamic nature and this sin nature on the inside of us because how many remember we were all tainted, not necessarily by choice, but by birth with this thing called sin, right? And we talked about how and this is really good news, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit today and a lot more next Sunday, but the old man is still dead. 
We had, a, we had a funeral session. How many remember that? We had a funeral session last week, and I brought in a casket, and I said that the, the man and the woman that you and I used to be that wants sin, Paul said you and I, uh, uh, Romans chapter 6, you and I have to reckon or consider that man, that old man, to be dead. The person that you were that wanted sinful things is no longer alive. If you will reckon and consider yourself dead, you will understand that that old man you and I were has been dealt with at the cross of Christ, and now we are walking in the new life that Jesus Christ died to give us. It's not just that God created a new family. It's that he killed the old. That sounds harsh. And I got a lot of people this past week who, who did not agree with or like the statement. But I want to say it again because it's true and it's biblical. God did not send Jesus just to create, just to create a better version of you. God sent Jesus to actually give us a means whereby we could actually not just help the old man, but literally kill him. That's the best news some of y'all could hear all week long. That that old joker you used to be no longer has the power to lead and control your life. If the sun makes you free, you're free indeed. I want to go a little bit deeper than that today. I, 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 uh, I, I started here in John chapter 3. I told Chad this is where we start, but it's just where we start. It's not where we're going to finish up. Uh, John chapter 3, really, I have probably visited this text with you as your pastor as much as any other text in the Bible. Uh, I keep a log of when I preach things and where I preach things, and I, I have so many times referenced this text. This is one of the foundational New Testament passages that I think really shape and frame our quality of Christian life and our understanding. If you don't get John chapter 3, you will have a difficult time understanding what it means to be truly be born again. Nicodemus is a teacher of the Pharisees who comes to Jesus at night and he wants Jesus to tell him about the kingdom of God and how to become a citizen of the kingdom of God and how to, how, how to step into this dimension of the kingdom of God that Jesus has been demonstrating. And, and Nicodemus tells Jesus, we know that you are sent from God for no man could do the miracles that you do unless he came from God. So we've already talked as a group of Pharisees, and we know that you came from God. But, but what we really want to know is, is how to enter this thing called the kingdom and participate in it. And Jesus says to him, unless a man is born again, literally in the Greek, listen to this, what it means is unless a man or a woman is born from above, unless they are born from above, Different translations say different things. One says rebirth. One says born again. One says born from above. The idea is this, that unless a man walking or a woman walking in the flesh has an encounter with God that produces a new life in them, the kind of life that makes it feel like they were born all over again, they can, listen to this, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Something occurred to me as I was praying and processing this scripture this week. Have you ever felt like you preach something or teach something and some of you have never pre preached or taught in your life so you have no clue what I'm talking about except you preach to your children and sometimes they don't get it either. How many know what I'm talking about there? But, but sometimes as a pastor, I preach and I teach and I think, is anybody getting this? And one of those things that, that I constantly question is somebody catching this is this whole issue of the kingdom of God. 
I feel like I preach the kingdom of God, teach the kingdom of God, but I often feel like, am I saying the right way? Am I, am I talking about it in the right way, God? Because so many people seem to miss the revelation of the kingdom of God. And it's not that they don't go to church, but it's that they don't understand the kingdom. I'm going to say something to you today. Church membership doesn't mean you're born again. Having been baptized in water is, is necessary and we should, but it doesn't mean you've been born again. Singing and preaching and having a gift that you demonstrate doesn't even mean you've been born again. There are people who will stand before God and say, did we not prophesy in your name? And he'll look at you and say, I never knew you. Depart from me. How can that be? It is so because people often get confused about what God wants when it comes to salvation. God is not wanting our performance. He is not wanting our, our demonstration. He is not wanting our gift. He is not enamored with your ability to sing, teach, or preach. He gave you the gift. What God wants is for all of your old men to die so that all of him can invade you and make you someone you were never, you were never in existence until you found Jesus and he made you born again. The you that should be living right now is one that did not exist before you met Christ. How many people are born again? The born again you did not exist this has to be said. Jesus did not come just to put a Band-Aid on the old you. He came to make a totally and completely new you. Well, Brother Wallace, my hair was gray before I got saved. And, you know, I went and got that born again and my hair's still gray. Because born again doesn't mean your flesh changes. Born again means your spirit became new. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which came through the natural is still natural. God is trying to get us to see that there is another dimension of being that is actually more real than the dimension of natural flesh that you and I are so accustomed to living by. Do you know, the Bible, do you know that we often relate to one another in ways the Bible tells us not to? The Bible says no, no man after the flesh. What does that mean? Don't look at someone and make decisions about them based on what you see. This is helping somebody right here. If it ain't helping nobody else, it's helping me. Praise God. Make no decisions about people based on their flesh because some people will fool you. Y'all not helping nobody in here. Some people will fool you. You will actually look at some people who look like they got it all together and they are a crooked swindler. You will also, also look at people who look like they have nothing, who are broke, busted, and disgusted, and the hand of God is all over their life because, because God often takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. You've got to be careful. You don't judge people according to how they look because just, that, just because they look great on the flesh doesn't mean their spirit is right. And just because they look like they don't have two dimes to rub together in the flesh doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. You've got to be able to look by the Spirit and see, I should be in business with him. I should not be in business with her. I should marry him. I am not getting any help from the single people right here. Stop making decisions based on the flesh. 
The flesh will get you in a mess. It is the spirit where a man or woman can really be identified. And if you've been born again, your heart is right. And if you've not been born again, I don't care how nice your suit and your shoes and how slick your hair is, you are still screwed up if you're not born again. And what Jesus is getting to, trying to say to Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, you are a teacher of the law in Israel. And you don't know what it's like to experience new birth. You are teaching it. How many know that's one reason why Israel was so messed up in Jesus' day? The people who were teaching the people of Israel themselves did not have a revelation of Jesus. If the teacher don't know it, then the student surely don't know it. This is why it's important where you go to church. It's important who you listen to when you're not in church. So the Bible says that Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. If you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And sometimes I want people to see the kingdom of God, but as bad as I want to teach it right, it has nothing to do with, if I'm teaching it right, it has to do with how people perceive. And if you're not born again on the inside, you can't really understand the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not a visible kingdom. It starts in an invisible world and manifests itself in a visible world. It starts in an invisible world and manifests itself in a visible world. It starts in an invisible world, and then the kingdom manifests itself in a visible world. You got Bible for this? Sure I do. God looked at Adam and said, I'm going to make you in my image and put you on the planet. And on the planet, I want you to demonstrate in the garden the kind of oversight and dominion that I oversee and I exercise as I sit as the, as the king of glory over the entire universe. Adam literally had the responsibility of being the CEO on earth in a natural, demonstrated, visible realm. But it didn't start in a natural, visible, seen realm. It started as a God who was spirit reigning over the entire planet over the entire universe and he said I got I got some I got an idea I'm gonna make man in my image and I'm gonna put him in dominion in the seen world while I reign in dominion over the unseen world I don't know if I want that that's the kingdom I'm saved. I want to go to heaven. God is not just trying to keep you out of hell. He's trying to find a group of people who will be a family so that the family can demonstrate dominion in the earth. In order to step into that unseen kingdom of God, we have to be born again, not a flesh. Do not allow yourself to be more identified by your flesh than by your spirit. Who you are in the unseen place of you is actually more real than the one we see with our natural eyes. There is an unseen realm. Bible says in the book of Colossians there is, there, that the, the, the worlds were framed, that, that in an unseen realm, God established a thing that actually manifested in a seen realm. Who you are in your spirit is greater than who you are in your flesh. And who you are in the inside of you 
will actually one day start shaping the outside of your life. God wants us to be born again. And this is a real problem. Nicodemus could not grab it at this point. I believe he did later in his church history bears out the same. But he could not grab it. That, that God is not, Jesus was not, this is crazy, but the, the leader of Israel actually heard Jesus say, you must be born again, and was trying to contemplate, how do I go back in my mother's womb a second time? How many know that's a scary thought? What's even more scary is that he was a teacher. Jesus says, if you're born of the flesh, you're flesh. If the only birth you've ever had is your natural birth, you're still a natural man or a natural woman. I heard someone say it like this one time. If you, if you were born once, you will die twice. If you were born twice, you will die once. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, those who are born again will only taste of physical death. They will never taste of spiritual death because Christ has conquered spiritual death for all of us. Amen. Amen. The grave couldn't hold him, and because the grave couldn't hold him, how many know the grave will not hold us down forever either? But those who have not been born again will not only die in the flesh, they will die as they stand before God one day for rejecting Jesus. So Nicodemus is trying to find out how do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus is here telling him, you got to be born again. You got to be born of the Spirit. You, you got to be regenerated. You got to, you got to have a change. You, you actually have to come into the family and you have to be born of God. Born of God. And some of us today don't know that we're born of God. When we get saved and born again, it, it's not just that God put you in a church. He did that, but it's much bigger than that. Being born again literally means you have a new life. Why am I teaching this? And I'm being like repetitive about it because so many people don't get that being saved is more than getting out of hell. Being saved is living a new kind of life. And here, this is the craziest thing of all time. So this past week, two weeks ago, Chad releases this little video blurb, and it went viral. Like, it's never gone viral like that before. Like, 500,000 people saw it. And it was this whole thing about, sit your hips down. I was preaching. I didn't even know I said this stuff. Have you ever said something, and you didn't know you said it, and then you saw yourself saying it? You was like, I didn't say that. <laughs> I watched that video, and I was like, when did I ever say that? I didn't know I said that. And it went viral, like 500,000 views. And it was all about, don't judge people. Give people grace and space to become everything God has wanted them to be, right? And everybody shouts over that. Why? Because we identify with sinful failure. And we want somebody to tell us, don't be a judgmental person. Don't judge people who fall down. Help them get up. And we should say that. And you should sit your hips down. If you're always trying to take people out and bury them in hopelessness. But... The grace of God is not a license to keep on sinning. I'm not getting no help right here. I am not getting any help. This will not go viral. I can tell you right now, people will not share it with everybody because whenever you start preaching holy living, people all of a sudden start gathering their stuff, acting like they got to get out of the church. Just sit down and let me finish my thought today. 
The grace of God is not about a license for you and me to live an unscrupulous, unholy, unsanctified life and then one day stand before God and say, you know what, I made a confession. Jesus does not care about our confession if it did not lead us to a born-again experience where the old man died and the new man, I'm not getting any help in this sanctified church. And here's what happens. When you preach, when you preach this reduced gospel, it pulls God down to our level rather than preaching the truth that pulls us up to his level and grace empowers us to live in heavenly places in Jesus. I did not say you would be perfect. I just said you will always hate it when you sin. So you get born again and God becomes your daddy. You literally get born out of God. Jacob Morkert, stand up. Stand up beside him. Yeah. I know his name. He looks like, he looks like Tarzan this morning. I almost called him Tarzan. Dad, I'm, looking, I'm talking to you. Dad, you can sit down, Miss Christine. You're so beautiful. I don't want you to, to get ruined with those two, okay? Just, you can, yeah. Dad, produced Jacob. You look alike. Why do you look alike? Because part of you came from him. There would be no you without him. Your ears, your eyes, your face, your hair, there are so many similarities between you and dad. Why? Because a part of dad literally came out of him to create you. And now when I see you, I see an image of your dad. How many, thank you brothers, how many saw this past week the face app on, on um, Instagram, Facebook? How many, how many, all y'all people, all the Russians got all y'all's information. Y'all all in trouble, you're going to lose your bank account. My mama called me yesterday, oh Lord, Kevin, the Russians got all your edges. Oh my God, they got your info from my mama. You've been listening to too many telemarketers, mama. A couple of weeks ago, mama got called. And she, this is a true story. They called her and tried to scam her out of $1,500. And they told her, all we need is your bank account information, and we're going to, you give us $1,500, and we have an $80,000 check coming to you. This is a true story. She called me. She said, what do you think? I said, mama, this is a scam. Don't talk to anybody else. You know my mama did? My mama called them back. She said, you will burn in hell. She said this. My mama said, you will burn in hell for trying to take old people's money. And if you, she said, how would you like it if somebody called your mama and tried to steal their money? That's what my mama did. True story. <laughs> I did a face app this past week on my, on my phone. And when I made myself look older, it freaked me out how much I looked like my daddy. I took, it, I took it to him last night. I said, Daddy, did you see the face half I did? He said, no, what are you talking about, son? I showed him a picture of me 40 years from now, and he goes, that looks like me. 
Do you know why it looks like me, that I look like him 40 years from now? Because no matter how old I get, there's still a part of him that made me who I am. What I'm trying to see is that, get you to see is that in the natural, you look like your earthly natural father because he put something in you and had he not put it there, there would be no you. Well, in the spirit, when you get born again by the spirit, Yahweh literally put... I feel some joy getting up on the inside of me right now. Yahweh put some of him down in you. And no matter how old you get and where you go in life, no matter what language you speak and the color of your skin, there is a peace of God deposited in every one of us. And because of that, we have the image of God on the inside. Somebody praise the Lord up in here. Now, we've been born of God. We need to do a DNA test today to see who your daddy is. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, who's your daddy? So, first of all, when you get born of God, you need to understand something. This is a crazy thought. How many ever heard of John the Baptist? How many got his baseball card? Right? John the Baptist was the greatest. The Bible says in Luke 7, 28, that among those born, say born, born of a woman, nobody was greater than John. But the rest of that verse says this, but he or she that is least in the kingdom is greater than John. Y'all not helping nobody in here today. How many in here were born of God? How many been born again? How many know that when you get born again, what happens? Your eyes come open and you begin to live in and see what? The kingdom of God. How many citizens of the kingdom of God are in this room right now? Come on, lift your hand. It's not a rhetorical question. How many citizens of the kingdom, how many people are part of the family of God today and you got there because you were born again? If you can lift your hand and that is true, it's really good news because the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. You're not seeing what I'm talking about. John the Baptist was great. Luke 7, 28. John the Baptist was greater than any person born of the womb of a woman. But when you get born by the Spirit and come out of God, even the least who have come out of God and are born into the kingdom are greater than the greater than the greatest who came from the womb of just a natural woman, which means you cannot measure your success, your significance, or your importance based on where you come from or the family tree from which you preceded. What you've got to do is understand that if everybody who came before you in your family tree was an alcoholic and a drug addict and a whoremonger and an adulterer and a thief and a bootlicker. I want you to know right now that anybody who gets born out of God and comes through
through Christ. God said for me to tell you today that you are greater, not because of who you came from in the natural, but because of who you came through in the spirit. And nothing in your past can keep you out of your purpose. Because if God be for me, who can be? Oh, I feel like somebody is getting set free today. John's great, but you're greater. I ain't, trying to, I ain't trying to start a fight. I'm just telling you that whoever the least is in the room, let me just tell you right now, I am the least in the room. But I think I'll praise God that the least in the room that is in the kingdom is still greater than the greatest prophet. Oh my God, church. Why is this? Because John never tasted new birth. John never tasted new life. John was a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. But John died before Jesus ever walked up a hill and died on a cross and rose from the dead. But I came to tell you anybody living on this side of the empty tomb is greater than anybody that died before Jesus rose. There's power in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Look at somebody next to you. Say, you don't even know who you're sitting beside. Come on, I know you heard of John the Baptist. Have you ever heard? <laughs> This is the kingdom of God. Now let me keep going. So let's do a test. Real, real quick, three things. I'm going to hit you with these, I'm going to be done. Let's do a real quick test on who your daddy is. I'm saved. Okay, okay. If you're born again and came from God, John tells us three things that are an acid test for those who are born of God. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to get it out your hair or your toupee or your extensions or your weave. Look at your neighbor and say, who's your daddy? John, first John. This is so John wrote the gospel of St. John, right? And then you flip over into the general epistles and you come to first John, second John, third John, all of them written by the same John. Okay? And in 1 John, this man who wrote about being born again in John 3 starts talking about, now this is years later, decades later. Decades later, he's still talking about being born of God. Because when you get born again and you taste this new life, you can't go back. And you can't talk about anything else. I mean, can anybody in here testify? I'm not saying you haven't fallen down since you got saved, but can anybody in here just testify for a second, just maybe 10 seconds, that you are sure enough different than the man or woman you used to be, and you cannot change the conversation. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. First John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. Can you put that up there, please? I need them to see. I'm not making this up. First John 4, 7. I'm going to wait on it. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who is who loves, who loves, is I need to run a test real quick on everybody in here to see who your daddy is. And if you want to know if God is your daddy, the first place to stop and consider is, do you love people? Well, but Brother Wallace, I speak in tongues. Sit down. I'm an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I got a business card. Oh, I got a website. Oh, my God, Jesus, yes. And I'm so spiritual. Do you love people? Because if you don't love people, I don't care how spiritual and gifted you are. If you don't love people, you did not get born again. Hold on. If you still hateful and prejudiced and racist and don't like folk and act like you're better than people, you did not get born you might have felt bad, but the old man didn't die. And if the old man didn't die, the new man can't come to life. Okay, so let me go deeper. When the Bible says, everyone who loves is born of God, the word loves. Everybody say loves. It is the Greek verb agapeo. It is where we get the word agape from. I have taught this so I will save you from the time and, the, and, and uh, going through the depth of it, but there are different kinds of love in your Bible. There's this phileo love. Everybody say phileo. It's where we get the word Philadelphia or the city of brotherly love, right? This is the friendship kind of love, like, I love you, man. Like, you know, you remember them beer commercials? I didn't say I drank. I said, do you remember the beer commercials? Y'all acting like, oh, my God, he said that. How many remember those commercials on TV? I loved you, man. That ain't agape love. That's like friend love. When I was at the football game in, in, uh, in, in whatever year that was, when James Wilhoe kicked the 52-yard field goal and we beat the Florida Gators in Neyland Stadium, I started jumping up and down with a bunch of Tennessee fans. I didn't even know them. And they come up to me, I love you, man. I'm like, bro, I love you too, man. But that was a friendship love, right? There's that kind of love. Then there's eros. Everyone say eros. E-R-O-S. It's where we get the Greek word. Oh, it's where we get the English word erotic. It's that sensual, steamy, fleshly attractive, you know. <laughs> I'm going to end it right there, okay? I'm going to end it right there. Some of y'all are like, we got to go, girl. Let's go. <laughs> Husbands and wives, y'all, you got to go lunch. Come on, stop it. Eros. But then there is agape. Agape is not a friendship love. It's not a steamy, attractive kind of love. Agape begins in a heart that crucifies its own self first and puts others before. I'm not getting no help right here. But true agape love is not the result of an emotion. It is not the result of a feeling. True agape love is the result of a decision. It is the most genuine, deepest kind of love because, come on in here, married people, help me out real quick. When you get married on your wedding day, she is fine. He is handsome. Everybody smells good, breath and mints, and everybody looks wonderful. But three days later, 
She rolls over and, and her breath is stank and your breath is stank, sir. And you have to decide then. I'm not in this because I feel it. Oh, God. I'm in this because I decide. Hell or high water. I'm going to keep the covenant and the commitment that I made. And that's what agape love is. It is not the result of a feeling. Because some people in this room love according to how they feel. But a real saint of God who's been born again doesn't just follow God when they feel like it. They wake up in the morning and say, I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm not changing my mind today. So if you love God, you will, if you are born again and born of God, you will love not just God. I love God. And then you act so hateful to us. And you can't say you love God who you haven't seen and not love your brother who you have seen. Well, we don't believe alike. Well, get over it. Love one another anyway. If you can't love somebody who disagrees with you on some stuff, you are thin. That's what's wrong with America right now. People cussing and going crazy and acting a fool. We need to shut up and show some love. I said it. We need to shut up and show some love to people. How in the world is the world ever going to get in line if the church don't even know how to get in line? I lost everybody right there. You're gathering your things. If I got all uncomfortable, don't look at me, Pastor. I don't want to see your face. You got to love people. Number two. We're doing a DNA test. Who you, who's your daddy? Look at your neighbor and say, who's your daddy? Look at 1 John chapter 5. I'm almost done. Verse 4. 1 John 5. Verse 4. For whatever is born of God. Yes. Overcomes. Yes. Say overcomes. That in the Greek is the Greek word Nikao, N-I-K-A-O. It's where we get the word Nike. Yeah. <laughs> How many ever put on some Nikes and thought you could jump higher? Thought you could run faster. Psych. <laughs> I was like, these Reeboks ain't no good. I'm going to give me some Nikes. I put on some Nikes, I still can't jump. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you have been born of God, you overcome the world. Now, let's qualify something very quickly because it could be confusing when John says world. Okay? Because you, 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 you and I, if we know our Bible, what you do, John 3.16 said, for God so loved the... So what you have to do when John talks about the world, you have to examine the context. Because there are places in the scripture where, God, where John is talking about the world and he means the people in it. Amen. And when you read John 3.16, it says, so, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So there is a revelation here that the world are the people in it. And yes, Jesus died for everybody in the world. But there are other places in the text where John talks about the world and he's not talking about the people, he's talking about the system. Lord, have mercy. Help me right here. Over there in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it said, Love not the world, 
Now, in one place, God loves the world. In another place, John tells us not to love the world. Why? Because the first place when he's talking about loving the world, he's talking about the people. But in 1 John chapter 2, verses 14, 15, and 16, when he says love not the world, he's not talking about the people in the world. He's talking about the way of the world, the system of the world, the flow uh, of the world. He said love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life are of the world, and the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. Whenever John says, he who is born of God overcomes the world, he's not talking about people. He's talking about the system. How many, how many can agree with me that Christian people in this world are always swimming in a different direction than the rest of the world? How many have ever felt like you were going against the flow? Oh, if you hadn't, you hadn't been living righteous lately. Come on, how many have ever felt like just because you love Jesus, people in your workplace hated on you? Right? Right? What is that? That is this world system full of humanism, full of self, full of evil, full of lying and cheating and stepping on top of each other just to get higher on the ladder. That is this world. And there is an, an alluring pull from this world that pulls on the strings of our soul trying to get us to walk away from God and walk away from selflessness and live for us and make us happy and do everything that pleases us. But I want you to know that when you are born of God, this world system has no allure to you. You don't hurt people to help yourself. Oh, come on in here. I am too, I am too glad to be mad. I am too grateful to be hateful. I am too blessed to be stressed. And I refuse to let this world pull me in a direction that is different than the one Christ has pointed me in. And you overcome the world. The pull. Help me, Brian, I'm through. You overcome the world and the pull to be. Oh, let me say it. Some of us need to get rid of selfish ambition. It's killing you. It's killing you. Well, if I don't do it, nobody will do it for me because you don't trust God. Do you know who the greatest marketing director for your life is? God. You know why God's the greatest marketing director for your life? He will never promote you prematurely. And he will never hide you longer than you should be hidden. He will always reveal your life to the right people at the right time. Oh, I could say some things right there. If you get revealed prematurely, you won't have the character to keep you in a room. Some people want promotion prematurely. When you get promoted prematurely, you get proud. Have you ever met people who didn't go through anything before they became somebody? They, they act like they always been that way. I'm thankful for times and seasons in my life I had nothing. I had nobody. Broke, busted, and disgusted. Tore up from the floor up, beat up from the feet up, messed up from the chest up. 
I know what it's like living there. And I will never be able to walk in a room and act like I know how I got there. I will always walk in a room and say, Lord, thank you. Some of us are too good to thank him right now. But can anybody in here say thank you? He that is born of God. How do you know God is your daddy? Because this world doesn't defeat you. I won't say who. It's very private. I won't say who, but I'll just say she's in our church. Sweet person, sweet woman of God in our church, who I know very well, been with us a long time. Who recently was given a huge promotion, and it was a God thing. When she got the promotion, somebody in the organization accused her of being racist. True story. They accused her of being racist and they filed a complaint against her with HR. I found out about it and I went to prayer for her because I know this woman and I know she ain't a racist. She loves people. And we just encouraged her. You keep living in your righteousness. God will vindicate you. Because some of you are going to go through this stuff in the world sometimes. You're going to get haters and don't even know why they hate you. It ain't about you. It's the devil in them that hates the Jesus in you sometimes. And you know what? You know what I appreciated most about this sweet lady? She just kept her mouth closed and let the Lord fight her battles. Do you know what happened? Not only did they vindicate her and say, this woman is not a racist. They fired the woman that lied on her. Y'all don't know who I'm talking about, so it don't matter. Don't even sit there and try. Here's the bottom line. You walk with God. You're a child of God. Your daddy owns the whole earth anyway. So before it's all said and done, your daddy's going to take care of the world. You don't have to get on Facebook. Last one, I'm through. He that is born of God, not only will they love, not only will they overcome the world, but finally, and this one right here, oh Lord, help them. Can you make this a happy feel? Yes. I, I don't know if that got any happier, but I needed to be real happy. Watch. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> How many love LeBron? Tell him you love him. Come on. I love him. Listen to this. 1 John 5, 18. Put it on the screen. I need him to see it. 1 John 5, 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. He who is born of God keeps himself and the wicked one doesn't touch him. I'm getting ready to freak some of y'all out. But if you are really born of God, sin is not your practice. When the Bible says he that is born of God or she that is born of God does not sin, in the Greek, it is the lineal present active indicative tense. God, I'm proud of myself. The theologians are like, whoa, I felt that thing all the way down to my feet, Pastor. It is the present active indicative tense. What does that mean? 
when John said he who was born of God does not sin, he is not saying if you're born of God and you sin one time, you're no longer born of God. Here's what he said. If you are born of God, you do not habitually live and practice sin as a way of life. That's what the word means. And y'all can check with the theologians. We got resident theologians here, and they'll tell you I'm telling you the truth. If you love God, we used to say it like this in theology school. Sin may remain, but it does not reign. You have to be careful when you teach this because if you, if, you don't, if you don't preach it right down the middle of the line and preach truth, you create two errors. One error is the error of sinless perfection. You read this scripture, if you don't know what it's saying in the Greek, you think if you're really born of God, you will never sin. And that should be our goal. But my reality is that as much as I want to live holy, there are days I find myself coming up short. And if I say I have no sin, I lie and deceive myself. On the other side, there are people who say, you just get, you get saved and sin as much as you want. That's lasciviousness. We do not teach sinless perfection. And we do not teach grace as a license. What we teach is that if you truly get born again, when you sin, you hate the sin. And you come back to God and say, Father, forgive me. And the Father who loves you and is your advocate says, I know you love me and I love you and I will forgive you and I will empower you so that this sin was not, will not reign over your life in the future. Stop sinning. I was going to let you stand up, but when I do, a hundred of you are going to leave and you need to hear what I'm getting ready to say. Stop sinning. Well, I'm saved by grace. Grace doesn't give you a license to sin. Titus says, Paul says in the book of Titus, grace teaches you how to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Grace doesn't just say, do whatever you want. Grace says, come closer to me and I'll give you power to walk over Romans 6, 14, sin shall not have dominion over you. Do you know what the word dominion, I could go on, I got to stop, stand. I could go on all day. The word dominion, have dominion. Curiosis, it literally means, it's where we get the word curios from, Lord. The disciples called Jesus curios, Lord. Sin shall not have lordship over you if there is not something on the inside of you that wants to live for God if there's not something on the inside of you that is miserable every time you sin you need to check your heart because children of God do not sin to see how much they can get away with When John says, he that is born of God does not commit a lifestyle of sin, his readers heard it and went, yes! We hear it and we're like, crap. I wanted some sin. Now this preacher's telling me I gotta live holy. 
That's because when we look at sin in today's church, we don't see it as an enemy. We don't see it as an uncontrollable dark force that tried to destroy us. I got people right now fainting that I said crap. I cannot believe he said, I can't believe I said it either. <laughs> All the holiness people. Oh God. Lights, smoke, and now he says the C word. I love you all. If there isn't something in us that breaks every time we sin, sin is an enemy. Sin is not your friend. I grew up in an old church and they used to say, Kevin, Sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and make you pay more than you ever thought you'd have to pay. And I used to think, what? But sin is not your friend. It made you its slave. And Jesus came to break its power over your life. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pastor Kevin, I'm in this place and I need God to save me. Will you pray for me, Pastor? I need God to save me today. I want to get born again. If I'm talking to you and you want him to change your heart, when I say three, lift your hand. One, two, three, right now. Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. I see those hands. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you back there. God bless you back there. I see those hands. Everyone look at me. Look at the person on your left and on your right. I know it's 105. Someone needs to come to Jesus today. I want you to look at the person on your left and right, and I want you to ask them this question. Do you need someone to go to the altar with you today? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, when they ask you that question, come stand with me right here at the altar. Jesus is going to save you right now. Anybody at all that lifted their hand or should have, I want God to save me. Come out of your seat and stand with me. Thank you for coming. Anybody else? Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming right over here. I love you. Come on, sweetheart. That's right. Come on, come on, come on. This is a good thing. God bless you. God bless you. Elder's going to begin to pray with them. I want you to stretch your hands toward them and pray a prayer over them right now. Deacon, if you'll come help me. Yes, sir. Lord, save every one of them today. I pray for a transformation in their heart. I want to pray for you before you go today. I'm going to pray for you and release you. If you needed this word today, and you need the Lord to work deep inside of you so that you and I can become more of who he intended for us to be. Would you lift both hands up to heaven right now? Maybe it was the love thing. Maybe you need God to help you love deeper. Maybe it was the overcoming the world thing. Maybe it was overcoming sin. 
But if you needed that today, I want you to lift your hands, whatever it was you needed. Nobody going to ask you anything. Lord, you see every hand that is up right now. I pray today for the power of God and the grace of God to be manifested in every life. They are born of you, and I pray that the born-again nature, that spirit man or woman on the inside of them, I thank you, Father God, you're bringing them into victory in life now in the name of Jesus. May this week they begin to experience the work. Oh, come on, y'all. The work of the Holy Spirit is coming this week into your heart. God is going to move on you. If you're open to it, just say, Lord, this week. Come on, this week, God, work inside of my heart. Work on me. Do, do, some, do some odd jobs. Finish some things up, Lord. I pray you'll just take care of the unseen me. Fix me up, Lord. Change me, God. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I give you my life this week, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Go in the peace of God. They're going to continue to pray. Don't forget Wednesday, 7 p.m., my buddy Eddie James is coming, and I look forward to seeing every one of you here. It's going to be a powerful night of worship. I love you. Go in the peace of God.